during a reorg, I was moved to the network team, the network platform from the Windows compute team. And as part of that reorg, I was actually able to go on a boot camp and achieve my CCNA. So then from there, I've exclusively focused on Cisco certification exams that have been uh, valuable is in the strong and afford. They, they, they've been transformative. They've, they've fueled and powered my career, my evolution, my growth. That's John Capiabanco, software engineering technical leader for Cisco, talking about how Cisco certifications have played a key role in his career's growth. And in this episode of the Cisco Learning Network podcast, community manager Matt Saunders sits down with John to discuss the many different resources you can use in addition to the exam topics list for the certification exam that you're preparing for. We also hear about what compelled John's passion for learning, using, and teaching technology to others as a career path. John's journey portrays the courage of someone evolving from a job to a career in technology, the successes, challenges, and sometimes failures of earning certifications, and the stories of individuals he's helped along the way. Be sure to stay tuned to find out how to get a free digital download of John's book, Automate Your Network, Introducing the Modern Approach to Enterprise Network Management. So John, you're already fairly well-known within the networking community, but for folks that haven't had an opportunity to uh, connect with you yet, would you mind giving a bit of an introduction of yourself? My name is John Capobianco, and I joined Cisco's Learning and Certification Training Bootcamp team in February of this year, so 2022. It was really, I felt like the job was custom made for me. I know it wasn't, but it was like the perfect opportunity for me to join Cisco mixing my automation skills and my core networking skills, as well as some instructor and being a teacher or a certified Cisco systems instructor. I have about 20 years in IT. And during that time, when I was with a private insurance company as their network engineer, senior network engineer, I also taught courses at the community college for networking and for Windows administration. And I did that for about three years at the same time as my senior network engineer job. So that, I think, helped me succeed or has helped me continue to be successful in this new role at Cisco as a certified instructor for the boot camps. That's my favorite thing is helping people learn new things, pick up new skills, you know, pass certification exams, get into IT if they're new. I went back to school. I was actually working as a, a forklift operator at an aluminum factory. And I was pretty dissatisfied in that and went back to school to learn programming. And just through the way my career has twisted and turned, I ended up gravitating towards networking. Prior to joining Cisco, I spent eight years at the Canadian Parliament, the House of Commons of Canada, as their senior network architect. And about halfway through that journey, after about four years of doing things kind of traditionally, I don't want to say manually, but doing things traditionally with the CLI and device by device and, you know, the kind of things that we grew up on. I was introduced to automation at Cisco Live 2015 in the DevNet Pavilion. It was small back then. It was just a small area of Cisco Live, the DevNet focus. But I did some hands-on labs and I was introduced to some programming and everything aligned. What I went back to school for to be a programmer and then what I've done for the past 15 or 20 years working with networks, the two have sort of coalesced and merged into net DevOps or DevOps or solving 
networking problems, but using code and automation as opposed to the command line or manually doing it. In case you're not already aware, DevOps is an approach to culture automation and platform design that's intended to deliver increased business value and responsiveness. According to the software company Red Hat, quote, this is all made possible through fast-paced, iterative IT service delivery. DevOps means linking legacy apps with newer cloud-native apps and infrastructure, end quote. So DevOps basically describes the approach to speeding up the processes by which an idea, like a new software feature or a bug fix, goes from development to deployment in a production environment where it can provide value to the user. And then Net DevOps combines the culture, technical methods, and strategies and best practices of DevOps with networking. I self-published a book in 2019. I was so excited about automation. You know, I'd read a few books and I thought there was room in the marketplace for my own spin on network automation using Ansible at that time, which I'm still a big fan of, but I've sort of more gravitated or graduated or evolved, let's say evolved, into using Python and Cisco Pi ATS in particular as my kind of framework of choice for network automation. I've written quite a few certifications. Early in my career, I, I started with, you know, CompTIA A+, N+, and then I did a slew of Microsoft exams. I actually thought I was going to be a Microsoft administrator as a focal point in my career in the private or public sector. During a reorg, I was moved to the network team, the network platform from the Windows compute team. And as part of that reorg, I was actually able to go on a boot camp and achieve my CCNA. So then from there, I've exclusively focused on Cisco certification exams that have been uh, valuable isn't a strong enough word. They, they, they've been transformative. They've, they've fueled and powered my career, my evolution, my growth. And before we move too much further, and I would be remiss to not ask you, what is the title of the book that you published? So folks listening can go uh, and find it. Sure. So it's actually called Automate Your Network. I wasn't too creative in the title. I wanted to be blunt and explicit. So it's called Automate Your Network. And I believe the subtitle is an introduction to the modern approach to enterprise network management. So it really is about a modern approach. And if you have a, a digital learning subscription, Cisco actually hosts an online version of my book on the digital learning network as well. And if you're new or don't have the funds, or if you're in an emerging part of the economy, or if you're underrepresented in tech, it's not about sales for me at this point. The book has done very well beyond my wildest imagination. So if you're listening to this and just want a PDF copy, honestly, just ping me on Twitter, ping me on LinkedIn. I'll send you a PDF copy of the book. No problem. No questions asked. Just reach out and I'd be happy to get that into your hands. Yeah. One thing I've come to find about you over the last couple of years is your passion and enthusiasm, your infectious passion and enthusiasm for both the technology and for teaching the technology and helping other folks to learn the technology as well. You know, it shines through in literally everything that you do around these topics, whether it be written form, video form, audio podcasts like this, demos that you do either on your YouTube channel or with the Cisco Learning Network, etc. I wanted to also ask you, where do you think that passion for both the technology, but also for helping others to learn the technology and to teach the technology comes from? I feel very fortunate and I really recognize my privilege to wake up every day and do something that I love. Even before I got into this world as an instructor, working with computers, broadly speaking, I was very fortunate that my 
father and my mother invested in a home computer when we were very young and they were very expensive then and it was a very tight budget and we're you know blue collar family my dad worked at the aluminum factory as well but when we went and picked up our first and i'm going to date myself here it was a 286 ibm clone the ibm 286 that john just mentioned was released in 1986 and was one of the first few models that ibm released According to oldcomputersmuseum.com, the price averaged about $4,000, which is the equivalent of about $10,800 today. But it, it changed everything. My brother and I were very young, and it was very important to us to learn computers. There was always a computer in my household. You know, I'm coming up on 35 years of, of programming or computer experience in general. We built a bulletin board system using the dial-up modems before the internet was a thing. And we were like 10 and 12 year old kids, but we just really loved the home computer. Like we were computer nerds before that was a cool thing to be. The other thing is I can recognize that I've had help throughout my career. I've had various mentors. I've had various instructors. I've had people in the community and people in various positions help me. I don't want to say I'm self-made, I had a lot of help from a lot of different mentors, men and women in the field, different CCIEs, different senior network engineers who went out of their way to help me. And I like to give back. It's really rewarding to me, especially when I was a teacher at the community college. I would see students a year or two after they graduated, happened to run into a few of them. And they were like, oh, I'm, I'm a network administrator at the local hospital now, or I got a job with this private company and I'm, I'm running their network. And, you know, they really were thankful and expressed how much the courses that I had taught them meant to them and how important it was in their success. And that's why they went to school. Some of them were like me, they went back to school. Some of them were university graduates and then went back to community college. Some of them were retired military personnel that wanted to start a second career. A whole wide variety of the community of just people in general with a common thread of networking to transform our lives and transform our families' lives and to maybe break some generational curses or, or to, to change the trajectory of their life. I mean, at one point, I really thought I was going to be riding, you know, a forklift in an aluminum factory for the rest of my life. It was a pretty sad and depressing thing for me to accept. But then I went back to school and technology helped me escape that. I hope that kind of answers the question. I, it's kind of an intangible, but I just, I really get a personal thrill out of seeing other people achieve success with technology. That perfectly answers the question and that speaks very much to the core of the networking community at large and of course specifically as well the cisco learning network as well we see time and time again countless examples of folks coming into the field from all the different avenues whether they be career changers you know late in life career changers younger in life career changers or brand new from like you mentioned coming out of the networking academy and out of high school or college level courses or college graduates getting into this field and the journeys that we see and we get to touch along the way and experience with other folks along the way it is it's very rewarding and valuable on a personal level as a career it's also expanded i mean everywhere you look you could almost do a google maps search for jobs 
right? Just zoom in on the city that you want, hover over at a certain distance above the city, and that utility company, that hospital, that private company, that public company, that federal bureau, they all need networking people. John's not wrong. According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, quote, overall employment in computer and information technology occupations is projected to grow 15% from 2021 to 2031, much faster than the average for all occupations. This increase is expected to result in about 682,800 new jobs over the next decade, end quote. It's part of the fabric of society today. And growing up, that's what we were told. Computers are the future, computers are the future, right? Learn computers, learn networks, it's the future. And now here we are in that future and it's, it's held true, right? Absolutely, spot on. So I wanted to ask you, along the way, through your journey, you've obviously learned many lessons that I'm sure you impart to folks frequently, constantly, all the time when you talk with them about getting started, breaking into the field, strategies for success, shortcuts, in a sense, to success. Not shortcuts on learning, least path of resistance, right, towards uh, success. I know one of the key things that you try to do a great job driving home for folks and evangelizing is in terms of the right way to study and prepare to successfully pass a certification exam. And I don't think you need much more lead into this question than that, but would you mind kind of sharing a bit of your perspective on that? I don't want to sound like an old timer here, but I think it's gotten easier than potentially when I started along my journey. Where your avenues were either a private boot camp that you either had to fund for yourself or your company had to pay for, and a collection of both official study guides and other third-party printed publications. Right? We had books, and that, that's all we had were books. Now, you may have gone to the aftermarket or maybe had a lab if you were fortunate to already be in IT and have access to network equipment or purchased aftermarket or used equipment and built a small home lab. I don't think that anything can really substitute for experience on the keyboard and on these devices, routers and switches and firewalls, or in the modern era, writing your own Python code or writing your own automation scripts, working with REST APIs. I don't think that there's any substitute for experience. And as we can see through those verbs that we're gonna talk about, the verbs in the blueprint, configure and verify, like you're being tested on more than just memorizing different facts about say the OSI model or about certain protocols or technologies. You're, the expectation is that you're being certified with a certain level of field experience to go along with that book knowledge or the fundamentals and the foundational knowledge about the technologies. The Cisco exams go beyond that. You have to have a certain level of hands-on experience. So I think in terms of a shortcut or in terms of a plan, you may already have a full-time job or you may already have a family or other obligations, but, and I don't know about daily, but over the course of a week, I think you should be dedicating a certain number of hours to just studying for your exam. Either at the end of your day, get up early before your day. It's kind of like going to the gym, right? It's kind of like exercise where you have to commit to it and you have to 
go and do it repetitively to build more muscles, except in this case, it's knowledge and experience and right, we're flexing our brain instead of muscles, a certain amount of time and weekends, right? I know we all want to be watching football or we'd rather be doing anything else other than studying. Not if your team is the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. Yikes. But to give yourself the best opportunity, it's about the time you put in is what you're going to get out of it. There is, like you said, there is no real shortcut here. I think that, you know, certain things are still tried and true. I think flashcards are still very popular and they were popular when I was taking and I'm still taking certifications and I'm still using flashcards. What I love about the Learning Network is that there's lesson plans for free, right? Just right under the certification guide, broken out by blueprint, they line up with the blueprint and it's the free resource. Even broader, Google, Wikipedia, Stack Overflow, the different Discord channels and the different podcasts who have communities, the Twitter community. There is so much, it's almost overwhelming. And I know it can be overwhelming and you almost have to partition your time accordingly over that studies over a week. You don't have to do it alone anymore. I know that it's hard to do this stuff in a vacuum if you're just one person trying to learn this stuff on your own. It's doable and it's achievable, but there is a whole community out there now where you can simply just ask a question. Hey, I'm not quite understanding the difference between TCP and UDP. Could someone give me a little bit of concrete examples or could someone help me? And people will flood that with answers and with examples from all over the world, from different perspectives. That's, I think, changed significantly since the start of my journey is that we don't have to do this alone anymore. There is so much online content and you could go above and beyond. There's still boot camps. There's still paid engagements. There's the Cisco store where you can find the different third party providers or even Cisco backed content. One thing to keep in mind is that even the experience of going and writing an exam will get easier over time. The first time you do it, you're going to be nervous signing in and giving your ID and getting the earphones and getting the whiteboard. There's a whole process involved around writing an exam. You only have that certain amount of time. There's no phone a friend. There's no Google. Like it's down to how well prepared you are. And you know, things happen. Nerves get to us. Sometimes it can be overwhelming or the anxiety, or we just have a bad day and it doesn't go well. But over time, right? The more practice you get, the more experience you have, I think they become a little less and less difficult each attempt that you make at an exam. I think you're spot on. There's a couple of things I want to kind of really click into there that you mentioned. One is the analogy of, of going to the gym and just like working out alone is not the best experience studying alone is not the best experience always. You know, sometimes you have to do it. You have to buckle down and you have to be the one to do the push-ups, and you have to be the one to do the reps on subnetting. But to your point, having that community and being engaged and connected with the community as well to keep you moving along the way is invaluable. And I want to get to the part you mentioned about the exam and some of the pitfalls and what to do if an exam doesn't go your way. But before we go there, I really want to drill in just a little bit further on the exam preparation process. And you mentioned all the resources that are available now. 
Well, there's a key document that you mentioned as well. The blueprint, as you called it. The official Cisco terminology nowadays is the exam topics documentation. Can you talk a little bit just about the exam topics in general, the importance of them, and some of the tips and tricks about how to really use those as your actual single source of truth official study guide? I still refer to them as the blueprint, but in my mind, it is a blueprint for the exam that you're going to write. Cisco does not hide anything from you. They're very open and upfront saying, here's the breakdown at a 100%, the various topics at a high level, and then all of the subtopics that roll up into those higher topics. All the cards are on the table that you know exactly what is going to be on the exam, short of the actual wording of the questions. For me, it's about the verbs. It's my expectation that I could have a conversation with someone about IP addressing or subnetting. Am I going to be tested on my theoretical knowledge, the technology, the protocol knowledge, what ports that it uses, what is an IP address? Philosophical book knowledge you can study with limited hands-on experience. Explain and describe. Compare. Can you compare TCP to UDP? Is it conversational? Is it educational type knowledge? Or are you going to have to have some muscle memory and be able to configure and verify? And those two sort of go together usually, configure and verify. Because how do you know that it's configured unless you can verify it? Which to me, in the Cisco world, not all the time, but generally speaking, results in configuration commands, CLI commands in config mode or config T mode or config interface mode, right? Different levels of configuration modes and the matching show commands. And it's not just the commands, but what output that we get from those show commands that we can use to prove the configuration is correct, right? What key value pairs, what standard output on the screen are we going to see when we run a certain show command to verify the configuration? And that's very much practice and experience, either from on the job or from in the lab. For me personally, I was a little bit lucky in that I moved to the networking team and I was given a certain level of responsibility and experience and had access to Cisco equipment and the command line. And I had certain responsibilities of configuration and verifying and theoretical knowledge before I was certified. So I I had some advantage that I actually had some equipment. Now today, I would likely lean on the DevNet sandboxes, the always on sandboxes, the Cisco modeling labs, which was previously known as Verl. To find the always on sandboxes that John just mentioned, visit developer.cisco.com slash site slash sandbox. You can use these sandboxes to prepare for your exams with free access to a variety of labs. You can choose from virtualized environments, simulators, and real hardware. And to find the Cisco modeling labs, visit the link in the description of this episode. With Cisco Modeling Labs, or CML, you can quickly simulate Cisco and non-Cisco networks using real Cisco images. There is free and easy or affordable resources that if you weren't in the position that I was in where I had hands-on access, you could simulate that today. 
that is really the key about using the exam topics to guide, okay, I'm going to need 10 hours at the command line minimum to configure and verify certain subtopics. And some subtopics may be, I need four hours just for this one subtopic so that I know it inside and out. I know all the commands. I can do it. I can verify it. And I can have observable proof of working connectivity or a working configuration that will reinforce that I think I'm ready, I, right? I can move on to my next topic. I've put enough time into this. And it does seem overwhelming, but these certifications are meaningful. They're valuable. There is a certain expected level of difficulty here that I don't want to say is notorious, but a Cisco exam means something. And they have the difficulty they have because of their value to employers and to your resume and to your experience. Every level that you climb from network associate to professional to expert brings on a whole new level of recognition, of achievement, of accomplishment. And that's not just for its own sake. When you have to collaborate in the professional workspace and you have project managers and other network engineers and developers and big groups of people, they need an authority. Sometimes you need an authority on a topic to decide what is the best practice here. What is the solution going to be? How do we troubleshoot this problem? What is going wrong with the network? Why is this application not functioning? That draws from your certification experience and the journey that you've taken to get certified. It's extremely powerful. It's an extremely valuable thing to have in your toolkit and on your resume, but more so on your day-to-day -day journey as a network engineer, if this is what you've chosen to do. I mean, honestly, we could echo that entire sentiment again and again for this interview and just play that portion on repeat and on loop again and again. And I want to make sure that we really do a good job and justice to the point about the verbs and the exam topics. The exam topics are your study guide. The exam topics are the core documentation of what a certification exam candidate should expect to be tested on during the exam and they're weighted as well. The topic listing is weighted. So as you're putting together your strategy, as you're going through your preparation process, as you're preparing for the exam and you're deciding and managing your time, and how much time to spend on what, the weighting of those exam topics is important. And it's also just as important to understand the verbs that are used in the description on the exam topics. So again, configure and verify, which go hand in hand, describe, explain, which are conversational. Can you explain to me the OSI layer model? And that's the key points for the exam topics. You take that information, that understanding of how to use and how to read the exam topics for a Cisco certification exam, you match that up with the learning material resources of your choice, and you're 90% the way there for successfully preparing to sit and have a successful exam experience. Would you say that's all fair to say, John? I completely agree. I think that's all fair. The only other point maybe that I'd mention is that if you do take external training, if you do take a course, if you do take a boot camp, if you read a book, the official study guide or other books. Always try to link back each module of your studies at the end of your day, at the end of your lab. What topic did this relate to? 
what exam topic in the exam topics of the six or seven topics and of the subtopics, can I put a little checkbox beside a certain topic yet? Do I feel ready? I know the digital learning portal and there's an official practice exam from Cisco that you can get through the Cisco store. I think that those are extremely valuable. I know before any exam that I've written, I've tried to find official on the up and up legal practice exams where it's not going to be what you're going to see on the exam, but it's going to be close. And it's going to be a subset of those topics in a stress-free environment at home, on your own time, on your own computer, that you can objectively say, I'm ready to book my exam, or I'm going to be ready in a month, or wow, I still have a lot to learn about a certain topic or subtopic. Give yourself a really good opportunity using these tools, practice exams in particular, are a really good way, especially if, you, if this is your first, if it's your first CCNA or your DevNet associate, that's your very first exam, be sure to sign up for the three-day trial on Digital Learning Portal and spend those three days taking the practice exam and compare it again to repeat the point back to the exam topics. Which topics am I solid on? Which topics do I need a little bit of work on? Which topics do I need a lot of work on? I can't stress it enough how important the topics are. And if you buy an official certification guide, the books from Cisco Press, right on the back cover of the book, it has the exam topics and the percentages. It guides the way the material is created by Cisco for consumption to prepare. It should guide you as a potential candidate on everything that you do. It should color your entire journey towards that certification exam because they're showing you their cards. Cisco wants you to pass. They want more certified professionals. Employers want certified professionals to be employed. This is true. According to recent research from the International Data Corporation or IDC, quote, Cisco skills are among those most included in hiring requirements, more frequently than 97% of all skills requested. The IDC also found that 7 out of 10 organizations look for IT certifications when hiring or promoting, and 90% of IT professionals believe certifications lead to a more effective staff, end quote. So all the cards are on the table. There's nothing hidden from you. It's not like there's going to be a gotcha question that wasn't listed in the exam topics. They are all there for you to use as a guide. So John, I feel like we've done a pretty sufficient job helping folks understand the process for preparing for an exam, right? We've got the exam topics, the blueprint list as the ultimate guide. We've got learning material, learning resources of your choice, what suits your learning style, reading, video, etc. We've got hands-on lab practice covered. I'm not sure we've actually talked much about practice quiz options, practice exam options. So if not, we'll just make sure we mention to leverage legitimate practice exam options that are available commercially on the market from several vendors, one of those being the Cisco Learning Network Store and the exam review tools that are available for purchase there. I think we did discuss that, but just to make sure we cover that again, right? Practice quiz, practice exam options, legitimate ones are very powerful. From there, it pretty much you know takes us up to exam day. 
and sitting for the exam. And you know the process that that is in and of itself. And you know that that can be very anxious for folks. And on the other side of the exam, let's talk about the experience of failure. You yourself, you've shared that you've failed Cisco certification exams in the past. Is that right? Yeah, that's true. I failed a few exam attempts. But if I think hard about it, I believe my Cisco certified data center associate, the second of two exams, it actually took me three attempts to pass that exam. So I failed that exam twice, back-to-back attempts, and then I finally passed it on my third attempt. I struggle with failure. It's not easy. It's a really hard pill to swallow, especially when you believe you're prepared, you've done your labs, you've done well on practice exams, and you know the exam, for whatever reason, didn't go to plan. Either you had a bad day or you had a mental lapse. Or maybe, you know, and this is the hardest pill to swallow, maybe you just weren't prepared enough, which is acceptable. Over time, I try to reframe this in my mind. I know it says failed, right? You didn't pass. And it feels like a failure. But I think it's just a step in the journey. I think it's a learning opportunity, right? You didn't fail. You learned quite a bit. Maybe you just missed it. Maybe there was one particular topic that you don't do often enough in your day-to-day job, or you didn't put enough time in in the labs. There's many reasons that you can let yourself off the hook why you maybe didn't achieve the exam. And I know for some people, there's a significant financial investment in the attempt, and maybe you don't get reimbursed from your employer, or maybe you're not employed and you're trying to get into the market and you've, you know, you've saved up the money and it can feel very hard on yourself and on your finances and on your journey. But, you know, believe me, it is worth the attempt. You gave it your best shot and you just came up short. I think a big part of it is reframing it in your mind as not a failure, but an opportunity to learn. You've learned quite a bit. Pause there for just a moment, if you don't mind, because I think that's just something key to emphasize for a quick moment. Because I often think about our schooling experience in high school, college, whatever it might be. When we don't pass an exam, It is tough to recover sometimes within the course of that course that you're taking for the quarter or semester, whatever it might be. So you know the weight that we can feel from not passing a test within the traditional academic and school environment is it can feel, well, that was that. And now I have to either redo this entire course again or try to move on, recover my grade, et cetera, et cetera. And that really is one of the important ways to reframe, like you mentioned, and rethink about the certification exam process. Like you said, it's part of the learning process, learning the environment, learning the questions, getting a feel for the questions is what I mean there, right? Like getting a feel for the way the questions are asked. And it is a very, very powerful part of the learning process. You don't necessarily have to go back and tell your mom and dad, hey, I didn't pass this test, you know, and and that judgment and the finality of it is removed. That is kind of a very freeing part of this experience. I think you nailed it, Matt. Our formal education system of, you know, public school, high school, university, college, maybe doesn't prepare us for this type of exam, right? We sort of have it 
in our mind that a failure is the end of the road, or I'm not going to move on to the next grade, or I'm not going to get my diploma or my degree. In this case, it's an attempt, and you can rewrite these exams with that knowledge and that practical experience and the feedback loop. It's not like you just get a screen that says you failed, good luck next time, and that's it. We actually have a feedback system. So you get a formal report that lines up exactly with the exam topics like we talked about, and it will give you a percentage based on the questions that fell into those exam topic categories, and it will show you your percentage out of you know 100 on each of those topics. Don't just crumple that up and throw it away and walk away from the exam. Take that and use it to regroup yourself and to focus on the areas that you were weakest and reinforce the ones maybe that you did well on. Don't just take it for granted that you know one topic well enough that you don't need to revisit it. You may need to revisit your whole study plan, put particular emphasis on the ones that you scored lower on or the ones that drag down your score from a pass to a fail. So there is a feedback loop. There is an opportunity. I would suggest that you could even turn to resources like the community and the learning network to ask for help. IP connectivity was my lowest score. Does anyone have additional reinforcing materials that I can use to make my next attempt better? And I think you're going to get support from the community. I know that when I fail, I try to be open about it. I send out a tweet that I didn't pass my attempt and the community is right there to pick you up and let you know that you'll get it next time, right? There's a lot of positive reinforcement in the community within the Cisco Learning Network, within social media. Because everybody's been there. Every single community member has faced these challenges. So that's exactly right. Ask for the feedback, ask for the guidance and keep moving forward. That's what the community is here for. Each one teach one. We lean on each other for support. What I think is amazing is that like the most recent exam that I failed, I went looking for more resources and I'm, I'm recommitting myself to my learning plan right now as we speak on that to take my second attempt. I found someone, I'm not going to name them, but I found someone that I have a great deal of respect for, a CCIE, an expert in the field, who wrote a blog about that exam that I failed indicating that they failed it on their first attempt and how difficult the exam was. So then you sort of say, okay, it's, it's not just me. There's people out there with CCIEs, there's principal engineers, there's people with 20 plus years of experience who could probably tell you their story of the exam or exams that they didn't pass on their first attempt. It's an investment in yourself. You're investing in yourself. And the other thing I want to reinforce is that these are difficult exams. If they were easy, everybody would have them and everyone would pass them all the time, making them worthless, making them not valuable in the marketplace. Because of the level of respect and the dignity and the importance the technology sector at large puts into these exams, that's not by chance, that's not a fluke, that's because Everyone in the industry knows that there's a certain level of difficulty and you're trying it. You're trying something difficult. It really is okay to accept a failure because it's challenging. It's not easy. It's material you have to study and you have to lab. There's protocols, there's formulas. It's not like we're born with this knowledge. It's not an innate skill. We have to work hard to achieve these certifications.
It really is okay. If you're listening to this and you've failed an exam and you're wondering whether it's worth it, I believe it is worth it. It's an incredible achievement for the reasons I've just mentioned. It's an incredible thing to have on your resume or within your technical team because of the respect and because of the sheer importance of having certified experts and certified professionals and associates on your team. And it's a big departure from let's say other industry exams or the university or college exams that you've written or high school exams that you've written. There's a certain structure to these exams where you get one chance to lock in your answer and move forward to the next question on your exam. You're under a time. There is a clock ticking down. There is a lot of pressure and that pressure can sometimes lead to failures. And you know, the classic cliche that we do learn from our greatest failures. Our greatest learning comes from our failures. And that's part of the process. We have to embrace that again. We have to embrace the process. We have to embrace the failure as part of learning and growing. And yet it is achievable. You can do this and you will accomplish this if you continue to move forward. The only time we fail is when we quit. Otherwise, we're either achieving our goal or we're learning through the process. I think that's exactly it. The only way to really consider as a failure is if you walk away from it and don't try it again or give up on it or give up on yourself, right? I think that it's just as important to have the self-esteem, which some of us struggle with, with the ability to deal with anxiety, which some of us struggle with, with memory, with formulas, with protocols. There's a lot involved in these exams. I agree with you, Matt. I'd like to reinforce that the only failure is if you quit and give up on it, right? And know that there's a huge community of people out there who will support you and who are rooting for you and who will congratulate you when you pass that exam. And in hindsight, you might look back on your second or third attempt and kind of maybe not laugh, but say, wow, like, you know, that wasn't as hard as I originally thought it was going to be. I just wasn't prepared enough for my first or second attempt, you know? Right, right, exactly. And you took the words out of my mouth about the support of the community being so key there as well. I was thinking exactly that. And the other thing too is part of the community is the Learning and Certifications Organization with Cisco Systems and Cisco Systems at large as well. You mentioned we want folks to earn these certifications. We want folks to be able to succeed. We want to help folks validate their job-ready skills with these certifications. And that is why we try to make the exam topics so transparent. And that is why we try to provide the feedback that we provide in the score reports. So you can go back and match it up, match up the exam topics with the score reports, see where you need to refocus a bit on. It's a beautiful and wonderful thing when folks succeed. You know, we're a part of the community just as much as the exam candidates and the learners are a part of the community as well. So we really feel a strong sense of connection to the community itself. It really is a beautiful thing when, when people achieve these certifications. I don't know if we give ourselves enough credit when you compare our field and our industry with other fields and other industries. 
we're always having to learn new topics and the exam is always changing and, and evolving to match the latest technologies that are out there. Certain protocols will fall off of the exam because they're not it used in the industry, which means they're replaced by new topics and new protocols. It's an extremely challenging environment to be in an IT professional and particularly a network engineer or a network developer because we're, it's a lifelong learning. It really is a commitment if you're going to succeed, in my opinion, if you're going to succeed in this field, always continuously learning new topics, new protocols, new approaches, new methodologies, I know there is associate professional and expert level, and it's not uncommon at the higher levels for people to take two or three or four attempts at the expert exam. But I think it's relative to your journey. That associate exam to someone who's just writing associate for the first time, it probably feels as difficult as the expert exam is for someone who's been in the field at the expert level for a long time and has built up those skills. So I don't think you should be hard on yourself because it was an associate level exam and maybe you thought it was going to be easier than it was. They are as equally challenging for someone at that experience level in the field as the expert exam is for a so-called expert who's been doing this a very long time. Do not compare against a CCIE. You know, they've been on the journey for a good amount of time. And it's just part of the journey. Love the journey, embrace the journey, love the process, embrace the process, and then come and celebrate your successes with us on the community as well. That's it for our interview with John Capiabanco, software engineering technical leader for Cisco. To find the many resources that John referred to in this episode, please visit the Cisco Learning Network at www.ciscolearningnetwork.com. There, you can find all of the exam topics for each certification exam, as well as training videos, study groups, and an entire community of individuals that can help you on your certification journey. And please subscribe to the Cisco Learning Network podcast to hear news about the Cisco certification portfolio. Thanks for listening.